The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. We are held in the hands of the goddess. We are held, we are held, we are held. We are loved in the heart of the goddess. We are loved, we are loved, we are loved. What in your life needs to heal? Is it something in your body? Is it in your thoughts or your feelings? Welcome to the Empowered Healer Show with your host, Dr. Susan Allison. Our program will present healing methods and ideas to help you change the challenging parts of your life and support the people who mean the most to you. Now, here is Dr. Susan Allison. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Empowered Healer Show. This is Dr. Susan Allison, and as I say every week, I am so glad you're here. I'm needing to share something with you that's kind of hard for me, and, and that is that I'm going to be taking a leave of absence from Voice America and my show, and I'm already missing you. As many of you know, my husband is ill, and I really want to focus more on him and our life together, uh, especially right now. And this doesn't mean I'm gone forever. I will be back, um, and my host page will still be up, and we can connect on an energy level every time you listen to one of my archived shows. You know, there are over 50 shows archived, and please listen to the ones you've missed or re-listen to your favorites. The other thing I just realized is you can go to drsusanallison.com and you can uh, get my latest CD, my latest music CD on my website, uh, and that will help you stay close to me. You can listen to my songs, and it is my song playing in the beginning of the show, and I've gotten such great feedback from all of you, so thank you so much. So I think today's show will be one of those special ones that you listen to over and over. How do I how do I know this? Well, I don't have a crystal ball, but I am pretty psychic and but more than this, I know without a doubt that my guest is going to be off the charts and he is Dr. Joe Dispenza. He is designated January as making change stick month. So, I'm thinking right now, hmm, what change am I making firm this month? And I realize what I've been doing this month is living in the present moment, really being present with others and myself. I've been listening to my intuition really closely, following that inner voice that's always true for for all of us. I'm being my authentic self, really transparent, and speaking my truth everywhere I go, and especially telling the truth to myself. So that is what I'm doing this month, and after the show today, I'm sure you'll get techniques from Dr. Joe to help you make the change you want and have it stick. So let's let's say a few words about uh, Joe Dispenza. There's a lot to say. I've narrowed it down. He's an expert on the topic of changing ourselves, our habits, and our patterns, and literally changing our minds and our lives. 
Dr. Joe is a best-selling author of two highly acclaimed books, Evolve Your Brain and Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself, which I have just finished reading. He's also a neuroscientist and successful chiropractor who was featured with other leading scientists in the film, What the Bleep Do We Know? And he's been a guest on CNN, Fox, the Discovery Channel, and other networks. Over the past 10 years, he's lectured in 24 countries on six continents, educating over 50,000 people about the role and function of the human brain and how to change ourselves from the inside out. So let's welcome Dr. Joe Dispenza. Hi, Joe. Thanks for being here. Hi, Susan. Thank you for having me. I'm really happy you're here. And I always start with the personal because I'm really interested in your life and so are my listeners. And so how did you find this path, this role as the brain change expert? So you know, <laughs> what personal experiences and passions led you here? Well, you know, my probably biggest wake-up call was uh, uh, I was in a triathlon in Palm Springs, California in my 20s and I was in the biking portion of a race and making a turn on uh, to oncoming traffic and there was a police officer waving me on and when I made the turn uh, there was a four-wheel drive Bronco uh, going about 55 miles an hour that dragged me down the road and I wound up breaking six vertebrae in my spine and I had bone fragments in my spinal cord and the prognosis was pretty dismal that I'd probably never walk again and they Four of the leading surgeons in Southern California were recommending a pretty radical surgery called the Harrington Rod Surgery, mm-hmm. where they take the back parts off of your vertebrae and screw in this long stainless steel rod and and then uh, patch it up and hope for the best. And so, <clears throat> long story short, I decided to not have the surgery. And I, at the time, believed that there was a intelligence within us that gives us life and I wasn't going anywhere and doing anything, so I thought, hell, I got all this time. Let's see if I can make contact with it and uh, give it a specific order and a template and then get out of the way and let it do the healing for me. And uh, I decided that I wasn't going to let any thoughts slip by that I didn't want to experience. So it was a very difficult first couple of weeks because I didn't know how untrained and unfocused I was. Mm. But in time, I began to really start to make my way and... And within about a 10-week period, I was back on my feet and back in uh, training at 12 weeks and living a normal life again. And I just made a deal with myself that if I was ever able to walk again, I'd spend the rest of my life studying this concept. And that's what I've been doing really for a while. (laughs) Wow, that's a wonder. I never heard that story, and so I'm so glad you shared it. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of John Muir. I don't know if you heard the story that, you know, John Muir had this metal fragment fly into his eye, mm-hmm. and he went blind, and then the other eye went blind, and he, like, like swore, and I mean, just, you know, he was just on his knees, and he was praying, and he just said, I will devote my life, you know, to the preservation of nature, I will do everything if I can just see the beauty around me again. And he regained his eyesight and, as we know, uh, is one of the fathers of our national park system and Yosemite. And anyway, I just want, just, your story reminded me of John Muir. It's, un- it's unfortunate that it's usually crisis or trauma or disease or diagnosis or loss that when we finally come to our knees and really, really uh, proclaim our true allegiance to something greater than us. But uh, yep. I think, uh, you know, I, all, over all these years, I think one of the things I realize is that we can learn and change in a state of pain and suffering or we can learn and change in a state of joy or inspiration. And yep. I think we've all done some amazing things in our life. And if we can just make that process a skill, 
I think we'll have some tools to really move forward. Yeah, and that is a question that, that I wanted to talk to you about is why in the heck is change so hard for us? Well, the hardest part about change is not making the same choices as you did the day before. Mm-hmm. Now, if you think about this, the human being thinks about sixty to 70,000 thoughts in one day. Out of those sixty to 70,000 thoughts that we think, 90% of those thoughts are the same thoughts as the day before. So the same thoughts will lead to the same choices. Mm-hmm. The same choices will create the same behaviors. The same behaviors will produce the same experiences, and the same experiences will create the same familiar feelings, familiar emotions, and those very familiar emotions and same emotions will drive the same thoughts, and we would call that an identity or a personality. So that, <clears throat> that becomes the biological model of the old self because if you're thinking the same way, you're acting the same way, and you're feeling the same way, how you think, how you act, and how you feel is your personality, and your personality really creates your personal reality. So neurologically, your brain reorganizes itself consistently equal to the same way you're thinking and acting. And if you're cultivating the same experiences, the same experiences keep firing the same circuits, Mm -hmm. reinforcing them, and the emotions that are created from them begin to signal the same genes in the same way. And for the most part, you stay status quo, and that's the old self. So when it comes time to change, and you've hardwired your brain a certain way, and you've emotionally conditioned your body to feel a certain way, you have to step out of the old self and cross a gap to the new self. And the moment you're no longer thinking the same way or acting the same way or feeling the same way, you feel altered. You don't feel like the same person. As a matter of fact, we call that discomfort, but really it's unfamiliar. It's unpredictable. We're in Mm -hmm. the unknown. So most people can't handle the unknown. They'd rather predict their pain or their suffering than stay in that place. So they begin to make the same choices that lead to the same behaviors and the same experiences and the same emotions, and they say, oh, this feels right. Well, actually, it feels familiar. Yeah. So crossing the river of change means that, that we have to begin to realize that that place of unknown or that discomfort is the fertile ground to create in because even though you can't predict how you're going to be, the best way you predict your future in that fertile ground is to create it. Yeah, I know. I agree with you. I love that. In fact, my favorite chapter in your book, and by the way, everybody, if you don't have Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself, you need to get it. You know, get it on Amazon, I'm sure, Barnes and Noble or in your local bookstore, but we'll talk about that, how to get it later. But really, I love that chapter, Joe. I love the chapter called The Gap. It's my favorite. Mm. (laughs) Well, I think that was another turning point in my life because I think that was the moment where I started to realize that if we spend the majority of our life creating an identity that's connected to our external world, then pretty much sooner or later we realize that we experience much of life has to offer and we can predict the feeling of anything, then all of a sudden that feeling isn't going away that easily and we Mm -hmm. start trying to replace or sublimate that feeling with new things or new people or new places. But when the novelty wears off, that feeling comes back. So that's time to look within. Yeah, I know you talk about how you were lying on the couch and thinking about your life and you were feeling just a little bummed out, just not very happy, and yet you did feel happy when you were out, you know, lecturing and traveling the world and you had that that energy and that stimulus of your external self. But then in that chapter, you talk about the importance of connecting with the internal self and showing up transparent and authentic everywhere you go. And I think that um, that's what we truly want because when we begin to close the gap between how we appear and who we are, every time we unmemorize 
a habit or an emotion, we're liberating energy from the body because the body's no longer living in the past. And that becomes the available energy now that we can now use to design a new destiny, which is pretty cool because up until that point, you can't create a new future if you're living in the past. It's, it's impossible. Yeah. So when we begin to close that gap and we liberate energy, wow, then all of a sudden we start to find true joy with, from within us, and we're not seduced into believing that joy has something to do with pleasure. I think that's one of the biggest mistakes we make. Yeah, I know. I completely agree with you. Um, you know, you mentioned unmemorizing, and I wanted you is just to give tools to our listeners. How do, how do people do that? How do they, how do they you know make the leap from from that one part of themselves is externally stimulated and and pleasure comes from that to internally and how do you unmemorize who you've it's been? Actually, you know? It's actually not as complicated as as it sounds. I mean, okay. We have this amazing faculty that is called metacognition. It means that you can think about how you're thinking. You can notice how you're behaving, and you can become aware of how you're feeling. And that frontal lobe function means that you can modify your state of being to do a better job in life. And so if you're a professional athlete or a professional dancer or a professional actor, the moment you observe yourself, you're going to self-correct better, wouldn't you say? Mm-hmm. So what allows us to really become conscious of our unconscious self is this concept called self-awareness. That's how we can really begin to produce a different result. So the moment we want to change, we always have to look at the first step, and that is how we think, act, and feel. And when you become conscious of those unconscious programs, the moment you become conscious of it, it means you're no longer the program, but now the consciousness observing the program, and you begin to separate yourself from the old self. And that process of observation means that you're now objectifying your subjective mind. And the more familiar you can become with those states of being and inhibit them, you're no longer firing and wiring and you're no longer emotionally signaling epigenetically. Mm-hmm. And you begin to retire the old self. And there's a biological, neurological death of the old self. And that's that gap between the old self and the new self. And most people have to understand that that process of where they're void of that emotion is really the reorganization of their of their um, of their physiology. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you mentioned epigenetics a minute ago. You mentioned the frontal lobe. I wonder if you can talk a little bit about that. You know, I know you talk about our having three brains. You you do talk about epigenetics and neuroplasticity. Can you talk about that as a neuroscientist for a moment? Sure. I mean. They used to say that we were, science used to say that you were hardwired to be a certain way for the rest of your life and that we couldn't grow any new brain cells and everything was fixed in the brain and <clears throat> you're doomed to your genes. And, but that's actually not true. I mean, most of those experiments were done studying rodents in unchanging environments. Well, if the mm-hmm. environment isn't changing, then the rodents doing the same thing and their, their, their circuitry and their chemistry stays the same. Bring in novel experiences, and boy, the brain loves that. And so then we're changed by every new thing we learn. Every time we learn something new, we make a new connection. Every new experience we have enriches the brain. Every new dream that we can conjure up, every new choice we make, our our circuitry reorganizes itself, and that concept is called neuroplasticity. By the same means, from a genetic standpoint, 95% of most people's illnesses come from a lifestyle, from some stress or some something outside of them, so mm. then, or some choice they make. So then we know then that in one gene, 
we can produce 30,000 different variations on the same gene that's going to begin to alter the production of proteins. But if your environment isn't changing and you're doing the same things and thinking the same thoughts and feeling the same way, then your, your genes will reflect your environment. So the question is, can you signal the gene ahead of the environment? In mm. other words, when you begin to move into an elevated state and you're not waiting for your wealth to come or your healing to come or your love of your life to come so you can give thanks, that's the old model of reality. That's cause mm. and effect. Yep. The new model of reality is causing effect to, to cultivate the emotional state ahead of the actual experience, so much so that the body of the unconscious mind begins to accept that that future event is happening to you now, and you begin to signal the gene so the body now is no longer living in the past, but now it's connected to a new future. Wow, that's fantastic. I love that. Hold that thought, and we do need to take a break, and we'll be right back with Dr. Joe Dispenza. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Dr. Susan Allison is available online, by phone, and in person to help you heal whatever is no longer working in your life. You can go to her website at www.empoweredhealer.com or call her toll-free at 866-268-2121. Dr. Allison also has CDs and DVDs available on her website to empower you even more. You can listen to her voice guide you through meditations, visualizations, and exercises from her book, Empowered Healer. Her powerful book is available from Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Balboa Press, and from local bookstores. Begin today to gain the confidence, power, and ability to heal yourself. Visit EmpoweredHealer.com or call 866-268-2121. Be the change. The 7th Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. the Empowered Healer Show with Dr. Susan Allison. If you wish to speak to Dr. Allison or her guests this week, please call into the program at 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. Or you can send an email to empoweredhealer at comcast.net. Now, back to the program. Welcome back, everyone, to the Empowered Healer Show, and this is Dr. Susan Allison, and I'm here with a fabulous guest, Dr. Joe Dispenza, whose book, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself, is what we're talking about today, and we're talking about change. We're talking about changing our minds, changing our lives, and having a fabulous life. So I wanted to ask you, um, Joe, you, you say in the book to, you know, that we have to be greater than our environment, greater than our bodies, and greater than time. And can, it's a little abstract. Can you explain what you mean by that? Yeah, you know, I mean, I've thought a lot about what it means to change, and I've studied it endlessly, and to really figure out a way to simplify it for people to begin to realize when they're there and when they're not. So, mm-hmm. 
if you think about this, your brain is organized to reflect everything you know in your life. Your brain is a reflection of your environment. It's an artifact from the past. Mm. So it records all the people you know, all the places you lived, all the things you own, all the things you can do, and all the experiences you've created at different times in your life. Your brain literally is organized, molded, and shaped from your experiences or the things you've learned in your life. Mm-hmm. So if you accept that, but then you wake up every morning and you open your eyes and your senses plug you into the environment and you get out of bed on the same side and you brush your teeth the same way and then you drink coffee out of your favorite mug and then you, you, know, you dress yourself and groom yourself to look like everybody expects you to look and then you go to work and you see the same people, they push the same emotional buttons, you do the things that you can memorize and do so well and you hurry up and check your emails and you hurry up and go home and you hurry up and eat, you hurry up and watch your favorite television show, you hurry up and go to bed and you hurry up and do it all over again. Well, for the most part, ask the begs the question, did my brain change it all that day? But if you're thinking the same thoughts and performing the same actions and living by the same emotions, we could say then it's the external environment that's turning on different circuits in your brain, causing you to think equal to everything that's the same, everything that's familiar, and everything that's known to you. Mm-hmm. And as long as you accept that your thoughts have something to do with your destiny as long as you're reacting to everything that's known in your life, you will keep creating the same life, and your brain will organize itself equal to your environment. And for the most part, then, your brain will be equal to the problems and conditions in your life. Yeah. So to change, then, is to be greater than those conditions, to be greater than the circumstances in your world. And I think every great person in history knew this. Yeah, we must be greater. I love that. I'm just actually writing that down so I can put it up somewhere. That's really well, great. Well, here's the question. Yeah. The real question, Susan, is yeah. this. Can you believe in a future that you can't see or experience with your senses yet, but you've thought about enough times in your mind that your brain has literally changed to look like the event has already happened? Because we can make thought more real than anything else, and the concept of plasticity, we can change our brain just by thinking differently. And mm-hmm. can you fall in love with the future potential that exists in the quantum field? And can you begin to emotionally convince your body that that future event is happening to you now as already happened, so much so that you begin to signal new genes in new ways so that your body begins to change to look like the event has happened? Because if your brain and body are physically changed, there's physical evidence to look like the experience has already happened, then the event has already happened. And now the brain and body are no longer a record of the past, but now, in fact, a map to the future. And to live by this law is to live by the quantum law. And the quantum law says the environment is an extension of your mind. So if you truly change your mind, there better be evidence in your life. And it's got to come in a way that we least expect. Why does it have to come in a way that we least expect? Because if we can expect it, it's nothing new. It's more of the same. It has to rock our world. It has to catch us off guard. And it has to leave no doubt that what we did inside of us produced some result outside of us. And when we can correlate the changes inside of us that produced the result outside of us, We'll pay attention to what we did, and we'll do it again. 
Oh my God, I love that. I just love it. And the whole concept, you know, what you're talking about in terms of quantum physics, you know, I'm an energy healer. Part of my practice is that. And I just see that constantly in my life. You know, I, I ended up singing in front of 500 people in Germany last summer. And I have had this, this inside me for so long, this idea of being able to sing and have, have, divine downloads come in and anyway it's just it's it was anyway i actually experienced exactly what you were just talking about so i love it well that's the way it is and i think we've all done it you know and i think our senses should be the last to experience what our mind has created but if you're functioning as a materialist and seduced by the environment then for the most part you'll wait for your wealth to come and then you'll give thanks and we've been hypnotized and conditioned into believing that that's the law but that's the old model, that's the Newtonian model of reality of cause and effect. The quantum model of reality is causing that effect, and that's when people begin to really say, gosh darn it, it was so worth the effort. I'm so glad yep. that I, I was functioning beyond my senses. You know, and, and what you're talking about right now fits for me what you were talking about in the chapter, The Gap, in, turn of, in terms of the external world and materialism and that Newtonian belief that the material is, is going to make us happy. And it doesn't. You know, it's like you lying on the couch and realizing that it wasn't making you happy and it had to be something on an energy level and something inside you and it had to be joy or whatever it was that um, took you to that next level in terms of feeling uh, enriched in your life and from the inside out. Well, that's the midlife crisis. You know, I think when all of a sudden you start realizing that no one or nothing is going to make that feeling go away and you've already looked at, you know, gosh darn it, why am I doing all this? Is that the, the, how you appear to the world is the top hand of the gap and how you really feel inside is the bottom hand and God forbid you let anybody know how you really feel. So you keep this identity going, this, this illusion, this facade and it's all attached to, you know, the people you know and the things you do and the places you live. It's, you identify, you create an identity by identifying with the environment and, and, you know, that works really well for the first 35 or 40 years of our life. But all of a sudden, when we're no longer distracted by our environment or we can predict the feeling of anything, now all of a sudden, nothing's making that feeling go away. And that's when the soul begins to elbow you on the side and say, wake up. You know, yep, if you don't yep. pay attention, you're going to fall into oblivion. And this is the midlife crisis. This is where people start looking down at that emotion and they start saying, I'm unhappy. I don't mm-hmm. love you. I don't even know what love is. I don't know what God is. Why am I doing all this? Why am I living this life? I don't, I don't even like those people. I don't like my job. And all of a sudden, they start telling the truth about how they really feel, and they're, they start to fracture their life. And this is where everybody, all their friends get together, and they rally, and they take them to the doctor, and, you know, and they give them Prozac, and next thing you know, yep. they're smiling through their teeth, and they're covering up that feeling, and they're numbing it. And then other people will try to reinvent themselves by creating a new identity. They'll buy the sports car, the boat, yep. or the join a new social club and meet important people and go to a vacation to a new place, you know, a person, a place, a thing, something outside of them. But then when that novelty wears off, that feeling comes back again. And so then this is where addictions come in because yep. now you're going to try to take it away immediately. You're going to shop a lot to make the feeling go away. You're going to gamble. You're going to drink. You're going to, you know, do drugs. You're going to overeat, undereat, whatever people do, pornography, you know, video gaming, yep. anything to make the feeling go away. And, what happens is those, the rush of chemistry from that immediate pleasure begins to hijack the pleasure centers. 
and they become desensitized. So now the pleasure centers start getting recalibrated to a higher level. So if you shopped and spent $5,000, now you've got to spend 10000 because the feeling's not going to go away because your biology is altered. And, you know, if you gamble, then you spent... You, you, you gambled for $40,000, now you've got to gamble for $100,000 because the thrill is really continuously, the threshold continually rises. And it sounds like an addiction to me. Yep. So this yep. is where people have to really come to their lowest level to realize that, gosh darn it, behind every single addiction outside of me, there's some emotional addiction or some emotion that I've memorized within me. Now this is really one. The, the, the true substrates of change begin to enact us because now we're starting to look at those emotions and realizing when I start unmemorizing those emotions and I break those habits down and I begin to remove the veils and the masks that block the flow of the divine intelligence within me, when that intelligence begins to leak out of me, mm-hmm. and it begins to consume me, um, I'm going to become more like it. I'm going to become more loving. That's its mind. I'm going to become more conscious. That's its mind. I'm going to become more giving. It's a giver of life. I'm going to become more willful. It's got an amazing will. Its nature and our nature merges. And that's when true joy all of a sudden has nothing to do with our external world. And as a matter of fact, that's what we would call unconditional joy or unconditional love. No condition outside of you. You, would want to, you would, wouldn't want to give up that feeling for any person, thing, or experience. And that's when... We're really managing our energy at a higher level. No, I, I, I get it. I'm definitely there in my life, and it feels incredible. You know, one thing as a therapist I'm seeing is people are getting this uh, younger and younger. I'm not just seeing people um, in their, let's say, their 40s or older, finally realizing this, that the addictions aren't working, that the, the incessant travel isn't working, whatever it is they've been using in the external world to mask how they feel inside. Um, I'm seeing people come and realize this younger at a younger and younger age, um, and I, that is encouraging to me. And also, do people have to hit bottom in order to get this? Like, you know, what what can sort of help? And I know that meditation is something we want to talk about, but what can help so that they don't have to crash? They don't have to crash on a bike, and they don't have to crash in terms of going to some kind of rehab all the time. Can you can you talk about that? Yeah, I, I mean, you know, I travel so much, and I think it's an amazing time to be alive right now. And mm-hmm. information is so readily available. It's we live in an age where you don't have to go to the library and pull the reference books off the shelves and thumb through the pages. I mean, we have information at our fingertips, and yep. it's a brilliant time to really begin to investigate wherever your interests are in. So many paradigms and so many models are beginning to crumble. But I would say, from speaking from my present state of ignorance, of course, that the greatest way that we really begin to see uh, before we wait for that ego being knocked to its knees is, is really begin to ask ourselves really important questions like, you know, what's the greatest ideal of myself? Or better yet, um, if you don't like war, then you better not be arguing with your neighbor. If you don't like um, governments taking, then start giving. Mm-hmm. If we start demonstrating the change that in different areas of our life, then I think that we give people permission to do the same, and that's when you see a real strong unanimous shift in consciousness. So the younger people are, are uh, 
there's a strong intellectual division going on, and I think younger people are asking really some important questions because yep. they've, ex- they've experienced what my, so much of what life has to offer so much earlier than we have. <laughs> you know, it's, it's at their fingertips. So now they're asking the fundamental questions in their 20s instead of in their 30s and 40s. Which That's is right. Hello? Yes. Okay, yeah, it's right. I mean, I, that's why I was saying I'm seeing people younger and younger. I have some absolutely amazing, you know, young people in their 20s that are seeing me in my practice, and they are there. I mean, they are already saying that this is not making me happy, and they're asking questions you asked in your book, and that wonderful people have been asking for centuries, uh, questions like, you know, who am I, where am I in my life, who do I want to be, and where do I want to be? And uh, they're asking them, as you say, in their 20s now, which is fabulous. Sure. And, and uh, you know, we're all a work in progress. And I tell my children, invest in yourself. Never stop investing in yourself because that's the only thing you have. That's right. You know, and I like uh, Barbara Marks Hubbard talks about the joy meter and that we imagine, you know, those applause meters from the old TV shows. And she says, imagine these, this a joy meter. And if it's, you know, what brings you joy? I mean, just really joy and inside you and, you know, see that meter go, you know, that needle go all the way over when you're doing something that you feel passionate about, excited about joyful about and and so that's what i'm seeing some of the young people now they're they're getting that they're realizing it has to be an inside job mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, it's up to it's up to us to educate them properly and boy oh boy I, i'm always amazed at how fast children get it even young young children they get it really quickly yeah no they really do so talk a bit about um meditation as a, a way to sort of get here for people who are, mm-hmm. you know, may, maybe they're not on their knees and, and suffering, but they want to do it before that happens when they're brought to their knees. So talk about meditation as a way. You spend a great deal of time in the book helping people learn how to meditate in order to access uh, and change themselves. Okay, do I have enough time for that, Susan? Um, we are not, we're only going to take two breaks because I wanted to talk to you more. Okay, good. But good. maybe if you could, you know, we have a couple minutes to a break and then we'll have another segment. So okay. maybe get, get started just on, on some of the, the first ideas for people. Okay. Well, you know, I love to demystify the mystical. That's really where my passion is. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, when I started thinking about meditation, I went actually and looked up the Tibetan symbol. The Tibetan symbol for the word meditation, literally means to become familiar with. That's what it means. Mm-hmm. So 95% of who we are by the time we're 35 years old, it's a set of memorized behaviors and emotional reactions, beliefs, perceptions, you know, attitudes that run like an automatic program. There are subconscious yeah. programs that just run. Once you turn them on, no conscious effort is required. The bodies become the mind. So the, one of the key elements for meditation to become familiar with. Well, if you become familiar with your unconscious thoughts and you make them conscious, you are in the process of meditation. If you begin to notice your habits and your behaviors and you become aware of them and they become familiar to you, that means you're going to have more dominion and control over them. Mm -hmm. If you look at the emotions that you've memorized that's become part of your identity, which, by the way, isn't who you really are, the emotion is just the record of the past, Mm-hmm. And you begin to realize that those 20 years of guilt is connected to experiences or an experience that branded or defined you. And you, don't, you want to hold on to that emotion because that emotion can't go into a new future. In other words, you can't be wealthy and hold on to guilt. You can't be in love and hold on to guilt. It's, that's, that that's belongs to the old self. 
and wow. you become familiar with it. Mm-hmm. The more aware and familiar you become with it, you're like Gandalf on the bridge saying, you may not pass. In other words, I would never let any thought, behavior, or emotion slip by my consciousness that does not have anything to do with my new self. Now, this is when you begin to do battle with the ego. This is where greatness is defined. And if you can become so familiar with it that you are so conscious of it that you are now going into the operating system of the subconscious and bring it to your conscious awareness, you are beginning to master yourself. Now, by the same means, if you ask yourself, for example, what's a greater ideal of myself, and you begin to think in new and unusual ways, when you make your brain fire in new sequences or new patterns or new combinations, and whenever you make your brain work differently, you're changing your mind. So as you remind yourself of who you no longer want to be, and then you remind yourself of who you do want to be, if you keep reproducing the same level of mind every day, it will begin to become familiar to you. Why? Because nerve cells that fire together wire together. And if you can cultivate an emotion of what it would be like to be great, to be wealthy, to be joyful, to be free, to be healed, doesn't matter. And you can teach your body emotionally what it feels like. Give it a taste of that future before your sensual experience or sensory experience. It means then if you can cultivate that emotion every day, it will begin to become familiar to you. That's right. That's so when, right. when your mind and body are working together, you're in a state of being. And if you finish your meditation and you don't feel differently than when you started, then nothing's happened to you in the quantum field, nothing's happened to you neurologically, nothing's happened to you chemically, nothing's happened to you genetically. You're still the same person. But if you get up as somebody else and you can maintain that modified state of mind and body your entire day, get yep. ready because something unusual is going to happen in your life. You're absolutely right. I love it. And we do need to take a break, and we'll hold that thought and continue with it when we we come back. We'll be right back. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Dr. Susan Allison is available online, by phone, and in person to help you heal whatever is no longer working in your life. You can go to her website at www.empoweredhealer.com or call her toll-free at 866-268-2121. Dr. Allison also has CDs and DVDs available on her website to empower you even more. You can listen to her voice guide you through meditations, visualizations, and exercises from her book, Empowered Healer. Her powerful book is available from Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Balboa Press, and from local bookstores. Begin today to gain the confidence, power, and ability to heal yourself. Visit EmpoweredHealer.com or call 866-268-2121. Do you ever ask yourself, Why am I here? What is my purpose in life? What do I do next? Life energies are based on the chakras, and this is the foundation of holistic healing. Find the balance in your life by tuning in to Healing Possibilities with your host, Tracy Makarenko. Through engaging guests and Tracy's spiritual guidance, each week we'll explore a different modality of healing designed to help you find peace and wholeness. Listen every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Seek greater awareness. 
tuned in to the Empowered Healer Show with Dr. Susan Allison. If you wish to speak to Dr. Allison or her guests this week, please call into the program at 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. Or you can send an email to empoweredhealer at comcast.net. Now, back to the program. Welcome back, everyone, to the Empowered Healer Show, and I'm here with Dr. Joe Dispenza, and his recent book is Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself. And Joe, I want to give you this opportunity to talk about your book, to talk about how people can get it, how they can contact you, talk about any workshops coming up, any any way that people can be involved in what you're doing. Well, thank you, Susan. Um, you know, I wrote Breaking the Habit because after people saw What the Bleep and read my first book, Evolve, the, the most common feedback we got was, wow, great information, really good, but uh, how do we do it? Mm-hmm. How do we change our minds? So uh, the breaking the habit is the how-to. I think this is a time in history where it's not enough to know. It's a time in history to know how. So I've done my best to hopefully demystify the process of change so people have the tools to begin to apply it to their life. And so... Uh, Breaking the Habit is a how-to book. It's based on the workshops that we have been doing around the world for the last uh, for three or four years now. And, you know, we now know that the science is the language of mysticism and that when we use the scientific model and blend with quantum physics and neuroscience and genetics and piece it together, people really begin to realize why we stay the same. So um, the workshops have been really highly, really highly successful in the last two years because we're seeing people heal themselves of lupus and MS and cancer and diabetes and chronic pain and, you know, Hashimoto syndrome and all kinds of things because when they move into a new personality, the disease existed in the old personality, not in the new personality. There's somebody else. So um, we're doing workshops pretty much around the world now, and one of the things we're doing this weekend in uh, Vancouver, British Columbia... Uh, on Saturday the 19th of January here, is we're doing a one-day workshop, and it's called Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself, Making Change Stick. But the concept is information to transformation. In mm-hmm. other words, the event will be from 9 to 6 p.m. It'll be a full day. We'll cover uh, the science of change. We'll talk about why change is so hard. We'll begin to demystify meditation. We'll show how emotional addictions keep us stuck in the same patterns. And then we'll give people the meditation and the tools to begin to apply it to their life. And uh, we're going to stream that uh, this event from Vancouver, B.C., uh, live on Saturday at 9 o'clock West Coast time, Pacific time. And really it's a great way uh, for people who say, I, I live in Little Rock, Arkansas, I can't come to Barcelona, or you know, mm-hmm. I live in Montana and I can't make it to Miami. Uh, so we've, we've decided to stream it because so many people want us now at this point Yep. make it available on the web. So you can go to the website. It's drjoedispenza.com, D-R-J-O-E-D-I-S-P-E-N-Z-A.com, and you can register if you want to do the event this weekend. Uh, it's the intensive. It's the beginning level, uh, but uh, it's the start because we do advanced workshops, uh, which is where my passion and my interest is, I think, mm-hmm. more now than anywhere. Yeah, no. Now, tell me again, uh, in terms of the live streaming on Saturday, what time do people, are people able to pick that up? 
so the live stream uh, starts at 9 o'clock sharp uh, uh, Pacific time, so West Coast okay. time. Yep. So that will be 12 o'clock East Coast time and uh, 10 o'clock Mountain time, etc. But we start at 9 o'clock uh, uh, West Coast time, and we'll go from 9 to around 12.30. We'll break for lunch, and then we'll go from 2 to 6. And uh, we pack with a lot of information. It'll be when people are uh, coming on from all over the world, and uh, it'll, it'll be an audience, and at the same time, you can stream it from the comfort of your own home. Cool. You know, I, you were just saying that people come to your workshops who are ill, and I want to in a minute talk about spontaneous healings that you've experienced, but can people come actually with, with a life-threatening disease and in one day be able to turn that around? Well, we haven't, we've seen a few people turn around a, a condition in, in uh, one day, but in our advanced workshops, we have seen, it's so amazing, this is the, was my moment of truth for myself because... Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when you're doing this type of stuff, you hope you're making a difference in the world. And in the last yep. two years, uh, like our last advanced workshop, we had seven people stand up and go into complete remission, in, you know, during a meditation. Their MS paralysis changed, their, you know, their, their food allergies. There was one lady who was living on lettuce for seven years, eating anything she wanted. You know, we've had all kinds of amazing changes right during the meditation. So... It happens more in the progressive workshops, but it every now and then happens in the in the in, in the in the intensives. Fantastic! I love that because I work with a lot of people who are ill, and I want to pass this on to them. So, are you doing any workshops in the San Francisco area, the uh, Los Angeles, uh, in the near future? You know, Susan, I'm I'm going to confess and say I don't know. <laughs> I don't even. I know that I'm in Vancouver this weekend. I'm in the Bahamas next weekend. But after that, I don't know. Okay, it's in I the think clock. just go to the website and see. I mean, I've traveled so much. I, I we have schedule schedule oh, changes and events all the time. I think I know that we want to go to California this year. Okay, but good. I haven't even met with my team yet for 2013 to find out where I'm going to be. But I know I'm traveling a lot. Well, Joe, it's in the quantum field, isn't it? Yeah, I guess so. I just got to pick it now, right? <laughs> so um, can you talk a bit more, just because this is more my field that I'm interested in, is the, the whole idea of spontaneous healings and that you talk about in the book and also personal experiences. If you can talk a little more specifically about that. Yeah, you know, it was an interesting time after I had my own personal recovery. Uh, it, it changed me, and I couldn't go back to my same life any longer. And I took a very spiritual turn for myself. I couldn't relate to the same people because I wasn't the same person. And um, I retreated. I lived in San Diego. I moved to the Pacific Northwest and really wanted a little time to myself and started really thinking about the way this all works. And I started studying spontaneous remissions. I figured, well, hell, I had something that may have happened that was like that. And so... Yep. I started traveling to all these different countries around the world. I went to 17 countries and interviewed hundreds of people that were diagnosed with conditions, and they were treating and either staying the same or getting worse. And so all of a sudden they got better. That's it. They Mm. just got better. So I wanted to know what the cause was that produced that effect. And so um, after a lot of interviews and me gathering data, I realized that there were some commonalities. There were common principles that they executed that were the most, most common amongst all of them. And um, so I wrote Evolve, the book Evolve Your Brain, and um, kind of went back to school and got a degree in neuroscience and said, a lot of continuing education and and, um, 
functional imagery to say, okay, let's see what's, what, what, what is actually happening. Mm-hmm. So then it was interesting because I thought I was complete, but then all of a sudden I started getting this itch, you know, like, well, if these are the things that have produced spontaneous remissions, then let's see, we should be able to reproduce this, right? Because anything that's scientific should yep. be reproducible. So that's when we started teaching the workshops, and now we know that it is reproducible because we've collected enough data to see that people are doing it now, and they're transcending the conventional models. So... Um, the principles are really uh, aligned with the idea that um, the process of change requires unlearning and relearning. It requires breaking the habit of the old self and reinventing a new self to prune synaptic connections and sprout new ones and deprogram and reprogram, you know, lose your mind and create a new one. And it requires an assistance of a greater mind. You know, it requires, number one, that we begin to make time out of our busy days to realize that there's something that's giving us life it's an invisible essence that's both personal and universal within mm-hmm. us and all around us. And when we begin to evoke it and we begin to give it a plan, we begin to show it what the future is. And then here's the key point, surrender and give it up to a greater mind and trust that it's going to begin to work for us. That's when we start to see evidence in our life. So that was one of the things they, I saw that people had in common. The other thing was that they realized that it was the hormones of stress, you know, their own anger mm-hmm. or hatred or fear. Yep that pushed the genetic button that created disease. And stress is when your body is knocked out of balance. And I think all organisms in nature can handle short-term stress, but human beings can turn on the stress response just by thought alone. And that's when we get in trouble because when we turn on the stress response and we can't turn it off, that's what pushes the genetic buttons that create disease, which really means that if you know that you can turn on the stress response by thought alone and the hormones of stress can make you sick, then literally your thoughts can make you sick. So... If your thoughts can make you sick, can your thoughts make you well? Yep. And so the third thing was that when people realized they couldn't be the old self any longer and they had to retire the shame or the guilt or the fear and it wasn't part of the new self, they began to reinvent the new self. They began to say, who do I want to be? And mentally rehearsing, starting to contemplate and think about, is the neurological reconstruction of the self as you begin to speculate who you can be you begin to really organize and reorganize circuitry. So that kind of rehearsal changes the brain and body, and they practiced every day. And that became the platform of their new, new identity, not from outside of them, but from within them. Mm-hmm. And then lastly, they had long moments where they lost track of time and space. When they were on the inward process, they became nobody, they became no thing, they became no time. They laid the identity down. And when we truly get out of the way like that, that's when the divine begins to leak out of us, and they started to notice some pretty significant changes, and when that happened, the funny thing was they knew they were better. They just knew. They, they knew that they knew, and that's, of course, when you have it on a visceral level. So that's the short story. I love it. I love it. And I've seen this happen in my clients. I wrote a book called Empowered Healer, Gain the Confidence, Power, and Ability to Heal Yourself. And I have seen people recover from cervical cancer and MS and regain their eyesight. And so, you know, it's like we're really talking about a lot of the same things that um, we've both seen happen. And it's incredible. And the real miracle is that people can change and that, you know, you're providing the tools for them to do that, which is incredible. Well, I, I really believe, I secretly believe, well, actually no longer secretly, I think that I think that everybody is divine. And I, yep. and I know that we all have yep. the tools at hand. And, 
and that this time in history again is a time to demonstrate and and be the we should never wait for science to give us permission to do the uncommon we should go out and do the uncommon and do it consistently so science has to come and study us and say we need to change our laws to reflect what you're doing yep no i agree completely and i think as as we more and more embrace quantum physics even and it's been around since the 30s but finally you know, it's, I feel it's going to come to the forefront and we're going to realize that we're beings of energy and everything is energy. And it's, it's, a, it's an incredible time to be alive, isn't it? It's amazing. And, and, uh, and the more people that actually embrace it, and the hardest part of this is making the time to do it, making time for our precious selves to understand that we're a work in progress and really eliminate the environment for a period of time, put our bodies away and forget about time and a we can do that enough. We can detach from the, you know, the, the constant stimulation that keeps us uh, in the same frame of mind. And if you're observing your life from the same level of mind, you as the quantum observer keep waves of possibility collapsed into the same patterns of information called the same life. If you observe it from a different level of mind, there should be a restructuring, a reinterpretation of reality. And no one is so special to be excluded from that. Mm-hmm. I completely agree. I agree with you. Everybody is divine, and you know, I, I feel that this is the time when every you know we're tapping into that belief and realizing it's absolutely true. And you know, we we have just a few minutes left, and I wanted to see if you wanted to offer making change stick uh, to people who are listening in terms of your, your quick steps, I maybe even just a couple of them that are some quick tips, the seven quick tips to making change stick. If you wanted just to, to leave listeners with something that they can chew on and take with them. Sure. How much time do I have, Susan? We have about, we have about two minutes. To, <laughs> <laughs> you have two minutes, two minutes to discuss your entire book. No, two, two minutes. Like when I'm on yeah. television shows, people say, well, there's 30 seconds left and I can see the camera. And they say, can you tell us how to be happy? <laughs> and I look at them and I say, yeah, stop being unhappy. <laughs> stop thinking the thoughts that make you unhappy. Stop doing the things yeah. that make you feel bad and stop feeling that way and you'll get happy. Yeah. No, I mean, the number one thing is that get an intention. Get clear on what your intention is. An intention is ongoing. It is like a direction you want to move, to be healthy, to be wise, to be free, to be in love, to be um, wealthy, abundant. That is a state of being. It implies a direction. There's never enough health or wealth or joy to experience. There's always more. Write that intention down. The research shows that when you write your intention down, you have an 80% chance of accomplishing it. 2% of Americans write their goals and and intentions down. The ones that do, they have a higher... uh, ability to accomplish it because you're telling your brain you mean business. So get clear on your intention and then get clear on why you're doing it. What are the sponsoring thoughts? If you want wealth, what you really want is freedom. If you want health, you may want vitality or love. List them because when you list your sponsoring thoughts, you get in touch with the emotions that begin to drive you in that direction. Cool. I like the sponsoring thoughts idea. I think that's so true that there's something underneath a desire for wealth and for me, it's freedom, and I think you're, you're right about that. Sure, freedom to do whatever you want, whenever you want, with whoever you want, as many times as you want. Exactly, exactly. 
So uh, we are needing to close, and you know you've given people enough information. I think that they still want more, and they're going to go out and get your book. And the book is phenomenal. I love it, and it is breaking the habit of being yourself, how to lose your mind and create a new one. And Dr. Joe Dispenza, it has been an honor and a privilege to have you on my show today. Thank you, Susan Allison. I appreciate you and all the work that you do. Thanks so much. And thank all of you who are my wonderful, amazing, incredible listeners. Next week, we will have Dr. Joanne White, and she's going to help us all have less stress and more joy in our lives. So until then, this is Dr. Susan Allison asking you to remember you are so powerful. You can change. You can create a new mind and a new life. Thank you again for listening to The Empowered Healer Show. Please join your host, Dr. Susan Allison, again next Thursday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Until then, have an empowering and fulfilling week. We are held in the arms of...